When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Dadsnet original podcast. I'm Alistair, that's Jason, and this is the Don't Tell Him On podcast. Oh no, I'm in trouble. Oh no. Oh, he's full name me. Oh. Coming up on... Oh crap, what have I done? Coming up on today's episode, we're talking about kits for Christmas with Paul Watson, who's a really good guy. He's a very funny guy. Um, and the... the, the Charity that he started, Kits for Christmas or Kitmas, I think they're calling it, is is a really good cause. Oh. So we're talking to him a little bit later on. We're also going to quickly mention that you need to buy an Uni pizza oven for anyone in your life, well, for yourself or anyone in your life that's looking for a Christmas present because they are incredible pieces of kit. Yep. All that and more coming up on the Don't Tell Him Mum podcast. So another interview then. I know, we're rolling them in. I mean, this you, you, you've been busy. Um, I've, I'm, I'm not on this one either. So slack. Do you know what it is? It, it's winter and my, my kids are just constantly ill. Yeah, the That's... reason you missed this one was because Luna had croup. Well, no, it started off as what we oh. thought was croup. We now think it's strep throat. Oh. But uh, you, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, but yeah. oh, if you've got kids, you know what it's like at the moment. I mean, should we just not send them in in December? I think mean, that is that. I think so. Well, you're a former teacher. Boris, you know John, Boris Johnson, because it's the end of COVID. Boris Johnson just acts the last day of term, just so that people, but like, it's just, oh, let's just. If they're not ill now, don't send them in. Yeah, so they don't get. It. <laughs> What was that all about? Maybe we should just do that for the whole of December. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so um, uh, so we're talking to Paul then, yeah? Yes. Now, this this is a really good cause. Now, what we do at Dad's Net is often we get sent toys, particularly toys, uh, but other products as well, that uh, for reviews or to feature in various different types of content. And what we do most Christmas, whatever we've got some stuff, is we make sure that it's always go always goes to a good home yeah uh whether it's a dad in the dad's net that needs something whether it is a local charity or whatever it is but we usually find somewhere last year we had a big box of toys and we took it down to uh, a nursery in my town of a, in a very deprived area and they were so so grateful because it just takes that pressure off yeah of having to buy something for your kids at christmas time which is a pressure pressure a pressure filled time anyway let alone this year with the cost of living and everything else so we do that here at Dad's Net, and that's why speaking to Paul about the Kits for Christmas campaign, which is basically where they give brand new football kits to families to give to the kids right. for Christmas. And it's really interesting to hear where it came from and how he ended up with it. And it's it's really interesting story, but also an important story because the message is when people are struggling, let's try and help them. Okay. Shall we, uh, shall we hear it? Let's hear it. This is super exciting because we're joined by Paul Watson, uh, who is the guru and the brains around the Kits for Christmas campaign. Correct? 
Uh, no, I, I'm part. I'm I'm the founder of it, but the brains are somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to Dad's Net. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that, that's how. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of like how I get through life mostly. Uh, I have a great idea, and then I kind of like give it to someone else to kind of bring it into yeah. Real life. So that's exactly like the way this works. So Kitmus, uh, I I came up with the idea because you know I'm I'm in football and I give football kits around the world most of the year round. Um, to different projects. I had some kits knocking around a couple of years ago and thought around Christmas time, actually probably there's loads of parents in this country a bit worried about Christmas presents. So I thought, well, why don't we take it a bit closer to home and, and give them out in our local community or give them to our local community centre? And then uh, mentioned just my brother, who's a comedian, Mark Watson, uh, and he said, well, I'll just tweet about it, you know, see if we get some more kits. And we ended up, it just snowballed and snowballed into about 2,000 football shirts, and we gave them to community wow. centres all over the country. But as I say, the real brains was my wife, uh, Lizzie, because basically I had this scheme, and I, like, you know, I knew we were raising money as well, so we were buying football shirts in new uh, with money we'd raised. And obviously I knew all the football side, so I could tell you don't send a Liverpool shirt to Manchester. You know, I knew all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But in terms of actually managing suddenly this operation of just having to buy like 2000 football shirts and different sizes and different yeah. bits of the country lizzie just took it was like look i'll do it <laughs> spreadsheeted it and it suddenly became this like crack operation um amazing is she available because it sounds like i need to be speaking to her not yeah you. honestly she she uh, she would sort out pretty much any problem you have she's she's got the um this sort of problem solving brain where i was there just going we need more valencia kits and she's like Yes, but also, do we actually need something for five-year-olds? Because we have nothing. I was like, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay, so it, that sounds like a great scheme. So I'm a big football fan. Hmm. Um, my first question that I kind of want to really drill down in on, I, I didn't think it was possible to even give away Tottenham kit. <laughs> Is that, that's a thing, right? People will take that. Um, yeah, so so what we do is we say you can either send us a kit, but it has to be like perfect condition, really, to be honest, because it's going to be a present for a kid. We don't want them to feel second class. We don't want to feel like it's come from someone else. So, yeah, if it's like in really good condition, we actually get quite a few Spurs kits, make of that what you will. I like to think that I means Spurs fans are very generous. It may also mean Spurs fans are very happy to get rid of their kits. <laughs> but we get yeah. quite a lot of uh, Spurs kits. And, yeah, they're, re- they're actually they're very well received, to be honest. Um but yeah, Amazing. almost any kit will will have a home. And if it's not up to Christmas present in the UK, we send a load of stuff over to Africa, to different African countries. And, you know, kids are just delighted to have a, a kit. Yeah. But, it, but it is because of the Christmas angle, we really go for like proper, you know, pristine kits really if we can. Yeah, and I think like that's um, you know we've I'm fairly familiar with some other charities that do similar things, not with football kits, but with shoes, mm. for example. There's a charity near us called Sal Shoes, and they're the yeah. same. Like if you're giving something to someone, you know, great. It's really good that people are happy to kind of donate, but actually, if you're donating crap, like no one's. <laughs> that's not really the point. So it's I, I completely understand that, and especially like you say around Christmas. So okay, so how did you, okay? Let's go back a little bit. How did you get into football? And when you say that you're in football, what does that mm. mean? Oh, it's a very good question. <laughs> this is the question that that I struggle to answer a bit. Well, so I was a, I was a football journalist, but really I was a failed, failed, failed wannabe footballer, and just couldn't give up on it. Um, despite the fact everything was telling me to give up on it, mostly the coaches I played under. Uh, 
um, and the teammates, and the teammates, and the, the, and fact they con- the fact they couldn't control the ball. No, Lizzie was very, very generous about it. She sort of <laughs> let it, let it go. Although I'm sure she was saying to other people, "Time for it's time for him to give this up." So about 25, at this moment where I thought, you know, this isn't really happening. But instead of coming sort of facing reality, me and my mate Matt, who lived together at the time, cooked up this scheme that we would find the lowest ranked international football team in the world qualify to play for them and become international footballers and by basically doing that we would it'd be like a sort of vindication of the fact that we were after all brilliant football and and, you know you hear a lot of this chat goes on when if England plays San Marino or Andorra there's always this this like pub chat of well you know I could play for San Marino and so it sort of started there and then we took it to its logical conclusion and went you know lower and lower and lower to a team where we felt we could Uh, and we found the team that were according to wikipedia the worst team in the world uh but it was a non-fifa recognized country and that sort of opened up this weird world of like oh there are teams below even the fifa rankings because if you look at the bottom of the fifa rankings these these players are far too good for, for an average sunday league player however much we love to think we could <laughs> you, you you get out there training with a bhutan national team you're not gonna look <laughs> you're not gonna look one of as good as them so yeah we basically had to take it to quite an extreme and found a tiny island in the pacific that was I had never won a game of football in any capacity called Pompeii. And um, that's kind of where it all started, the, the, the craziness. So, okay, so you, so on paper, you are an international football player? No, well, no, because oh. uh, so the mission changed. So we, we messaged them uh, and very gently sort of said, oh, I don't suppose you fancy some players, a couple of English players. Um, I didn't expect to ever hear back, but we did. And what the message back said is, uh, like, from the head of their FA was saying, I'd love to help you, but I've just moved to London. Don't suppose you fancy meeting up. And we thought, this is a this is a prank. It's got to be a prank. But no, he had. Uh, a guy called Charles Musana had been in Pompeii 12 years, run football, come to London. Uh, and when we met him, he said, he basically sussed us out and said, look, lads, you know, I can see your, your heart's in the right place, really. But what we actually need is someone to go over and coach the team. You know, you, you've got to build the, the team, stopped playing basically when they lost 16 1 to Guam in their last game. Um, <laughs> you've got to, we need someone to go out there and coach. And suddenly there was this moment where we thought, okay, maybe that's the, but partly because also, to be fair, to, to naturalize as a citizen of, Micronesia, which is the the country Pompeii's in, you actually have to renounce your British citizenship, learn their local local, local language, but also marry a local. And I was getting, I was confident I could get two of those past Lizzie, but the third one, I just, I didn't want. To, I wasn't going to even open that one up. I don't think so coaching yeah, was, was easier. No, I was like, you know what? I think I can get two of these through, but the, yeah, I, the amount of things that I'm going to have to. Uh, <laughs> to do to get this third one through no <laughs> it's, uh, also, I, I guess as well like i don't want to be uh like in, in any way judgmental but i imagine on a tiny island like that like surely everyone is already kind of not married off but <laughs> like no the funny thing is actually when you get there you find there's quite a few expats who americans and some are brits but not many mostly americans and they've gone out there and actually fallen in love with someone and married and set up families. And actually, there's quite a few, um, but n- none of them have done it for the reason of getting an international football cap, <laughs> which I think is perhaps a less wholesome sort of reason rather than sort of falling in love with the island and its culture. It's more sort of, I want to be able to be at a dinner party, say, so I'm an international footballer. So I thought, yeah, probably not. <laughs> I'm probably wow. not going to follow that through. <laughs> but, 
you did end up going out. You were you went out there to and yeah. you did coach. Yes, coached and set up a league and set up schools football, and it became like a. It was spent eighteen months building uh, a football program, a football project, and it became like a real, a genuine passion, you know, because you could kind of see the reasons why these guys weren't winning football matches because no one had encouraged them. There was no funding really. There was no structure to to anything, and so you'd have all these young kids who were really talented and keen young kids. They get to a certain point and there's nothing to really do. And on an island like that, it's idyllic and it looks like paradise in a way, but there's nothing to, to do for kids. So they get into substance abuse and they get into quite antisocial behaviour a lot of the time. So we found football was like this amazing route for them and to say to them, look, actually, we're going to go and play matches and we're going to give you sort of a focus. It was really kind of amazing experience to sort of see what it could do for for these kids and uh so yeah it started out as a kind of stupid thing and it became a really serious one in at least to me um yeah. you know I, we could still see the funny side and you had to see the funny side because when whenever we, we we tried to get some press because we needed sponsors we were i was just running into overdraft for everything so like i had to buy all the balls boots all this i was just running into overdraft um so we thought great idea let's get some sponsorship we reckon we can get some press in the uk interested and i I'd never dealt with the press in the uk so we sort of emailed a few info at addresses and finally we did actually get uh a few journalists quite big journalists getting in touch and i thought oh my god this is great um what i didn't realize of course being naive was that the stories would all read world's worst team gets british coach everything was world's worst team world's worst team everywhere Uh, and sure enough, I got back to Pompeii and they'd all seen it because they get Google alerts. And the guy who runs the local newspaper was saying he has a Google alert set for Pompeii and it basically beeps once every month. And suddenly it was like 55 beeps and it was all this recirculated story of like idiot Brit coaching worst team. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to spend about six months apologizing for that. And we didn't even get a sponsor out of it. So I learned, I learned a lot. About that. <laughs> it, 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 this, in my head, I've got like Channel 4 documentary, kind of like that's yeah. the vibe we've got here. That should, this should be some sort of, uh, yeah, like, I know, or film even. Like, it feels like it's the kind of story, although I guess the ending of that film would be that you take them to the World Cup. Like, that's... Right, right. And, and, and it's funny because I did in the end write a book. I never intended to write a book when I was doing it. I was so sort of caught up in my coaching. I thought, this is the first step on the ladder. I'm going to be Belgium coaching five years' time. And I was an idiot about it. Yeah, 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 well... A lot of people do compare me to, <laughs> no. uh, but I did genuinely, I was all into the coaching and then came back and actually was asked to write a book, which never really happens, but a publisher asked me if I would be interested because they knew I'd done journalism. So, um, so yeah, like I, I wrote the book up Pompeii, released it. And then there's been, it's been bubbling around in that feature film development phase. Mm. And it's really funny because you go to these meetings and, uh, these kind of execs talk to you about the project, but they're talking about it in a fictional theoretical sense, but they're actually talking about me. So there's conversations yeah. where they're sitting there going, I just don't think this guy would have a girlfriend who would have put up with him. And I'm sort of sitting there going, Oh yeah, but I, I did. She, I, yeah. She's real. <laughs> she is real. And they sort of say things like, you know, I think what we want from this character is, is, you know, we, we need more redemption because at the moment the audience just isn't going to like him at all. I'm like, yeah, but, no, it's me though. <laughs> so, so we had a lot of that. And and sure enough, the meetings would all end with them saying, so I think, you know, in the end we need them to get into FIFA and they need to get to a World Cup. And I'm sort of there going, yeah, but anyone who's actually ever watched a game of football is not going to believe this bunch of lads are going to suddenly rock up at like 
you know, playing Germany and winning, are they? So, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's it's the the fairy tale version would be very different, I think. Yeah, well, you know, I guess there's a bit of artistic license in some movies, right? Yeah, well, it's funny seeing who they would cast as me. These people, they all had ideas, and I was like coming home with some of them and saying, "So they think he could play me?" <laughs> and people would just outwardly laugh at me, <laughs> like seriously. Denzel Washington was it? <laughs> well, no, it wasn't that. One. <laughs> no, but it was all maybe people naturally because they're film stars, all people who are considerably better looking than me. So anytime you said it, people would be like, oh, well, you think a lot of yourself. It's like, no, it's just actors are all pretty much good looking people. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're actors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you weren't self-casting as well. Like, it's No, what, I, was, I wasn't there going, right. you know what? Ryan Gosling would do a good me. No, I wasn't <laughs> He's, yeah he could probably pull it off yeah i reckon he's got it in him exactly right i wasn't sort of like you know if he gets buffs up a little bit maybe he could do it yeah. <laughs> I bet liz, at that point lizzie is probably thinking oh yeah okay this could work right exactly exactly <laughs> looks doesn't look bad um, for yeah amazing okay so to bring it okay so bringing it back to kits for mm. christmas do you send kits out to there out to pompeii yeah, well, I have over over the years. I've sent kit. I've sent kit almost everywhere. So through Pompeii, I end up getting introduced to this kind of other world of football, where um, there's there's just teams all over the world and often doing amazing work, but not getting funding, not getting support, and whether that's political reasons or or just simply their places that drop off the map in people's eyes. So I, I most years I send a load of kit uh, all over the place, and it's it's sort of leave our garage to Zanzibar, and it's leave our Kiribati and places people can't put on the map most of the time mm. um and yeah and so it was it was I'd never really worked in the UK with football because it's such big business and I don't really fit very neatly with it same way that when I came back from coaching Micronesia I'd send my CV out looking for like even very low jobs at, at non-league clubs and obviously they'd look at this and go what is he made up a country or is he, you know, it meant nothing. So I couldn't get in anywhere, but the same way I just haven't really found a home in, in football in this country. And so it was a real moment where I suddenly thought, you know, I'm sending all these kids out to refugee camps, but actually in this country, there are so many parents whose kids really would love a football shirt and can't afford it. Yeah. And especially at Christmas, a very fraught time. So it was quite a kind of waking up moment where I was like, you know what, actually I've got this support network around me, especially on social media where, people really do help with my projects and help with the projects I try and support. What if we actually just rallied this around families in the UK? And it's been really touching actually sort of seeing it snowball. And yeah, yeah, it's a really nice thing. Obviously I'd never meet any of the kids. That's not, that's not how it works. So I've never met any of the kids we've given these shirts to, but I send them to community centers who work with these families year round. And the feedback they give us is is genuinely, it puts tears in your eyes. You you can't quite believe. I can imagine. Um, I mean, Football shirts are expensive. Oh, yeah. And, but yet, it, football and supporting a team is also a bit of a rite of passage in the UK. Like, even kids who don't really like football will probably still affiliate with a football team because they've got an uncle who does or a brother who does or there's some sort of thing. And and, and football shirts are, are, are that kind of... Um, you know, think about own clothes day, you know, yeah. that's where you would wear your... Exactly. Your and actually, even for like, not necessarily... P- I mean, sometimes there is P kit given out and sometimes that you have to wear a set but after school football clubs um kids some kids are basically missing out on football because they simply don't have 
the kit to wear, whether it's boots or whether it's a shirt. And as you say, also just fitting in socially and it's, it's a big deal and that pressure on kids. And as you say, the prices of football shirts are ludicrous. And I actually don't know. I'm not an economist. I don't know whether shirts have got more expensive. They have obviously got they're more pounds than they were. They're almost yeah. double, but I don't know if economically that's in line with, but the, but the fact is families are obviously poorer. Like most people are poorer than they, in relative yeah. terms than they ever have been, or at least in recent memory. And these shirts are still being priced up at 70. Yeah. For a kid's shirt, 70. Yeah. Are they stadium kits? And then they've got them, they're like 110 quid. For, and you're thinking how out of touch is a football club or the manual? It's not the clubs. It's the, adidas is the nikes how out of touch are they that they think families are looking at a 70 pound shirt and thinking yeah i could buy that and they'll be out they'll, they'll grow out of it in a year yeah, yeah but i think that the part of the problem is that they will they'll buy that over their electricity bill yeah and you really sympathize with that and and you know you've just got to really sympathize with you know i've got i've got kids myself and that emotional punch you feel especially around christmas time mm. um you know, it's so there's such a pressure on you as a yeah. parent to deliver something, and and you know we don't we can't give out the seventy quid kits. We we buy the best value amount of kits we can get. Mm-hmm. So say for example, like we're actually we're doing quite well on Liverpool shirts this year. There's quite a lot of cheap last year's Liverpool shirts. Now we can buy up that kind of stuff. We we don't pay vast amounts because we can't yeah. but what we can pay is an amount that's still prohibitive for most families to yeah. to buy in a shirt and just relieve a bit of that pressure because yeah. you know we're not we're not saving any lives but we're just relieving a bit of pressure on families i think that's yeah. as a dad i can really imagine just that idea that okay the boys are the boys are covered this christmas like yeah that, exactly. that would just take a pressure off and that, you know you know there's going to be a smile on their face right <laughs> Because as you well, say, if you if you've got to choose between heating your house or giving your kids Christmas presents, that's a choice no one should have to make. And it, yeah, it's, exactly. yeah, I there's a there's two things that I, I thought worth raising. One one is I was recently in a JD Sports and I was looking at the England kits. Mm. What I've noticed is that they've introduced an entirely new category of sizing, right? Which is yeah. basically a price increase. So now you've got kids, which goes up to about eight. And then you've got juniors, which is yeah. kind of nine to twelve, or whatever. And then you've got adults, yeah. and, and, they, and that, that's like a new tier. So now you've got kind of fifty for kids, sixty to seventy for juniors, and then seventy upwards yeah. for adults. And, and this is a th- big thing. Adults is every. This is this really hit us because I didn't know this. I don't have kids that age, but yeah, uh, adult size shirts are what most teenagers need. Yeah, because you start. So, 14. Yeah, but these are not adults. And so, yeah, when we're getting requests for like, you know, 13, 14 year old kids shirts, um, anything 13 to 18, they're into the adult sizes. So the pricing accordingly is brutal. The pricing structures are like yeah. as if it's a grown up person buying a shirt. And so, yeah, that's adding to the, the pressure is that you're not buying kids shirts. You're buying adult shirts for kids. And and that is, as you say, that is a stealthy little thing that's been done and can only have been done in order to, to add to the price. That's, that's the only reason they do that. There's, there's literally no reason other than that. It's, no. it's I know, scandalous, really. Um, but, Paul, we, I, I, we're going to have to come into land at, at now. But yeah. before we do, how can people get involved in Kits for Christmas? 
So, right. Um, the best way is probably our crowdfunder page. So Kitmus crowdfunder page is crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash Kitmus. That's link um, in the description. Yep. And that's, that's the best way there. You can... Um, you can donate money that we use to buy brand new kits for kids. So that's that's one way. Um, it also has details of the PO box on there that you can send us shirts, like your shirts, and we will make good use of those too. Um, and then I'm on Twitter. I'm at Paul underscore C underscore Watson. I wasn't the first Paul Watson to get on Twitter is what you learned from that. <laughs> um, and our brilliant uh sort of marketing side of it or marketing pr side of it vix layton is on twitter she's at vix layton and she's in london so if you're in london and you want to just give kits in person vix is the person to go to so uh yeah and any questions grab me or vix on twitter we're pretty much always on there anytime amazing amazing paul thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure hilarious story love that and obviously you know such a great cause like we've covered it's i think it's great what you're doing so you know kudos from from us and uh thank you yeah if anyone's listening and you want and you you just want to hint at you know checking it out to get to potentially get involved hit the link go and go and see what they're doing and um and yeah i would encourage anyone to to get involved and help out where they can thank you I mean, what a top guy and what a fantastic thing to do. I mean, it's really nice. It's really nice. And, really nice. And, and needed. Yeah. And like we touched on it in, in that interview, but just to reiterate, it's a football kit is a great gift, but actually there are so many occasions. Like I just think about um, own clothes. Do you remember going in on, we used to call it Mufti Day in my secondary school? Yeah. Non-school uniform. Know. Is it yeah, that one? But why was it like Mufti Day? I don't, don't know, know where it came from. We, it was always non-school uniform. Yeah. But those days I remember feeling like, oh God, what am I going to wear? Like I, I need to wear my nicest thing or whatever. And a football shirt is a really easy way of kind of overcoming that for a child. Because yeah. you wear a football shirt, everyone thinks, oh, they support liverpool fine liverpool yep. shirt like so it's actually the, and those kinds of situation that so the kind of gift that you can give by in a football shirt kind of goes on beyond just simply also let's remember as well for like non-school uniform day there are some families that probably can't afford to do that they would prefer to take them in in uniform because mm. they've spent that money that they would have paid you know on clothes mm. on uniform so like the gift of a football shirt or i don't know a football mm. kit or something that's yeah that would really help it's obviously linked but the kids for christmas is very relevant hit the link you can get involved the donation uh you can buy kits you can send in kits you can help distribute kits you can get involved so hit the link and you can find out more information what am i gonna say i don't know what am I going to say? I don't know. Go and buy a Noonie Pizza oven if you haven't bought a Noonie Pizza oven. <laughs> of course, because there, there is an episode that goes by now where we don't say, you need to go and buy a Noonie Pizza oven quickly because what we are now, what date's this? This is like... 7th of December. This is sort of the week of the 7th. Yeah, this is... If you is, haven't got it sorted, just this do is it. This your answer. Just do it. And we've said this so many times. I I'm getting angry. <laughs> yeah. But the yeah, I'm going to find your names <laughs> of you listeners and I'm going to come around and I'm going to look in your garden. And if you haven't got one, you're in big trouble. If your name's on the list. It's not on the list. <laughs> then you're not getting one. Um, you can also team up with, with family. You know, for that person that's really hard to buy for, you know, you can just say, look, give us 50 quid. Give us 100 quid amongst how many of us. And let's just get so-and-so this uni pizza mm. oven. They'll love it. You know, the kids will love it. It's a nice social present. It's just a good thing to get. So look, don't make me angry. Don't make me come around there. <laughs>
All right. <laughs> uh, and if you haven't seen it already on Dad's Net uh, social media channels, there's a fantastic video where the lovely Jamie cooks an entire Christmas dinner in an uni pizza oven. Why are you saying the lovely? Because he sat right in front of me. Yeah, yeah, I have to say that. He sat right there. <laughs> he doesn't usually listen when I call him all the other names. <laughs> You're lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, make sure you do go and check out that, that video because it's a good video. You can see the scope of, of the product. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget to rate. Don't forget to subscribe. You know what to do. We say every single episode, but we really, really love reading your uh, reviews as well. Good or bad. We don't care. You know, We'll take it. We, we genuinely will, will. Just like the engagement. <laughs> what? What engagement? The engagement with the, with the podcast. I thought you meant as in your engagement to Jen. I'm like, no. what are you talking about? Well, no. What was wrong with I'll we take the engagement and quick, now I'm married. A quick story. <laughs> we were in a local um, magazine recently and we had to go to the same wedding venue that we got married in only because it's local not because of that and we had to get some photos taken and they stood us in front of this great big Christmas tree which is very lovely and they we had to wear Christmas jumpers like this and Jen and Posh and Bex here yeah well, so we don't wear wedding rings like we don't, just don't wear them that's yeah. a funny story why I don't wear mine actually uh, maybe I'll park that yeah uh, and Jen doesn't wear hers I think because I don't wear mine which is her fault but she thinks it's my fault the whole thing but the point is uh, she had her engagement ring on for this wedding shoot and as we were standing there she kind of put it like this and we thought wait a minute this just looks like an like like a posh and bex engagement shoot now <laughs> <laughs> we got engaged at christmas now like the magazine's covering it it was, it was really weird um it's on our social media so check out it's the ferguson's because there's a there'll be a photo on there, there anyway oh, enough have a See good week <laughs> a dad's net original podcast